Section 1 of The Natural History, Volume 7. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Melissa Kingsbury. The Natural History, Volume 7, by Pliny the Elder. Translated by John Bostock and Henry Thomas Riley. Section 1. Book 31, Chapters 1 to 15 Remedies Derived from the Aquatic Productions Chapter 1. Remarkable Facts Connected with Water We have now to speak of the benefits derived, in a medicinal point of view, from the aquatic productions. For not here, even, has all bounteous nature reposed from her work. Amid waves and billows, and tides of rivers forever on the ebb and flow, she still unceasingly exerts her powers. And nowhere, if we must confess the truth, does she display herself in greater might, for it is this among the elements that holds sway over all the rest. It is water that swallows up dry land, that extinguishes flame, that ascends aloft and challenges possession of the very heavens. It is water that, spreading clouds as it does far and wide, intercepts the vital air we breathe and, through their collision, gives rise to thunders and lightnings as the elements of the universe meet in conflict. What can there be more marvelous than water suspended aloft in the heavens? And yet, as though it were not enough to reach so high an elevation as this, they sweep along with them whole shoals of fishes, and often stones as well, thus lading themselves with ponderous masses which belong to other elements and bearing them on high. Falling upon the earth, these waters become the prime cause of all that is there produced. A truly wondrous provision of nature, if we only consider that in order to give birth to grain and life to trees and to shrubs, water must first leave the earth for the heavens, and then spring down to vegetation the breath of life. The admission must be surely extorted from us, that for all our resources the earth is indebted to the bounteousness of water. It will be only proper, therefore, in the first place, to set forth some instances of the powerful properties displayed by this element, for as to the whole of them, what living mortal could describe them? Chapter 2. The Different Properties of Waters On all sides, and in a thousand countries, there are waters bounteously springing forth from the earth, some of them cold, some hot, and some possessed of these properties united. Those in the territory of the Tarbelli, for instance, a people of Aquitania, and those among the Pyrenean mountains, where hot and cold springs are separated by only the very smallest distance. Then again, there are others that are tepid only, or lukewarm, announcing thereby the resources they afford for the treatment of diseases, and bursting forth for the benefit of man alone out of so many animated beings. Under various names, too, they augment the number of the divinities and give birth to cities. Puteole, for example, in Campania, Statielle in Liguria, and Sextie in the province of Gallia Narbonensis. But nowhere do they abound in greater number or offer a greater variety of medicinal properties than in the Gulf of Baye, some being impregnated with sulfur, some with alum, some with salt, some with nitre, and some with bitumen. 
while others are of a mixed quality, partly acid and partly salt. In other cases, again, it is by their vapors that waters are so beneficial to man, being so intensely hot as to heat our baths even, and to make cold water boil in our sitting baths, such, for instance, as the springs at Baye, now known as Pisidian, after the name of a freedman of the emperor Claudius. Waters which are so hot as to cook articles of food even. There are others, too, those, for example, formerly the property of Licinius Crassus, which send forth their vapors in the sea even, thus providing resources for the health of man in the very midst of the waves. Chapter 3. Remedies Derived from Water According to their respective kinds, these waters are beneficial for diseases of the sinews, feet, or hips, for sprains or for fractures. They act also as purgatives upon the bowels, heal wounds, and are singularly useful for affections of the head and ears. Indeed, the waters of Cicero are good for the eyes. The country seat where these last are found is worthy of some further mention. Traveling from Lake Avirnus towards Puteoli, it is to be seen on the seashore, renowned for its fine portico and its grove. Cicero gave it the name of Academia, after the place so called at Athens. It was here that he composed those treatises of his that were called after it. It was here, too, that he raised those monuments to himself, as though, indeed, he had not already done so throughout the length and breadth of the known world. Shortly after the death of Cicero, and when it had come into the possession of Antistius Vetus, certain hot springs burst forth at the very portals of this house, which were found to be remarkably beneficial for diseases of the eyes, and have been celebrated in verse by Lauria Tullius, one of the freedmen of Cicero, a fact which proves to demonstration that his servants even had received inspiration from that majestic and all-powerful genius of his. I will give the lines, as they deserve to be read not there only, but everywhere. Great Prince of Roman Eloquence, Thy grove, where erst thou badest it rise, is verdant now. Thy villa, from fair academia named, from Vetus now, its finished graces takes. Here, too, fair streams burst forth, unknown before, which with their spray the languid eyes relieve. The land, I ween, these bounteous springs revealed to honor Cicero, its ancient lord. Throughout the world his works by eyes are scanned. May eyes unnumbered by these streams be healed. Chapter 4. Waters Productive of Fecundity. Waters Curative of Insanity. In Campania, too, are the waters of Sinuesa remedial, it is said, for sterility in females, and curative of insanity in men. Chapter 5. Waters remedial for urinary calculi. The waters of the island of Ayanaria are curative of urinary calculi, it is said, and the same is the case with the cold spring of Acidula, four miles distance from Tianum Siricinum, the waters at Stabie, known as the Dimidia, and those in the territory of Vinafrum, which take their rise in the spring of Acidula. Patients suffering from these complaints may be cured also by drinking the waters of Lake Velia, 
the same effects being produced by those of a spring in Syria near Mount Taurus, Marcus Varus says, and by those of the river Gallus in Phrygia, as we learn from Callimachus. In taking the waters, however, of this last, the greatest moderation is necessary, as they are apt to cause delirium, an effect equally produced, Ctesias tells us, by the waters of the Red Fountain in Ethiopia. Chapter 6. Waters Curative of Wounds The tepid waters of Albula, near Rome, have a healing effect upon wounds. Those of Cutilia, again, in the Sabine territory, are intensely cold, and by a kind of suction penetrate the body to such a degree as to have the effect of a mordant almost. They are remarkably beneficial for affections of the stomach, sinews, and all parts of the body, in fact. Chapter 7. Waters Preventive of Abortion The waters of Thespiae ensure conception to females. The same, too, with those of the river Ilatus in Arcadia. The spring Linus, also in Arcadia, acts as a preservative of the fetus and effectually prevents abortion. The waters of the river Aphrodisius, on the other hand, in the territory of Pirea, are productive of sterility. Chapter 8. Waters which remove morphew. The waters of Lake Alpheus remove white morphew, Varro tells us, who also mentions the fact that one Titius, a personage who held the praetorship, had a face to all appearance like that of a marble statue in consequence of this disease. The waters of the river Sidnus in Chilicha are curative of gout, as would appear from a letter addressed by Cassius of Parma to Marcus Antonius. At Troidzen, on the contrary, all the inhabitants are subject to diseases of the feet, owing to the bad quality of the water there. The state of the Tungri in Gaul has a spring of great renown, which sparkles as it bursts forth with bubbles innumerable and has a certain ferruginous taste, only to be perceived after it has been drunk. This water is strongly purgative, is curative of tertian fevers, and disperses urinary calculi. Upon the application of fire, it assumes a turbid appearance and finally turns red. The springs of Leocugea, between Puteuli and Neapolis, are curative of eye diseases and of wounds. Cicero, in his work entitled Admiranda, has remarked that it is only by the waters of the marshes of Riate that the hooves of beasts of burden are hardened. Chapter 9. Waters which color the hair. Iuricus informs us that in Estiaiotis there are two springs, one of which, Cirona, renders sheep black that drink of it, while the other, called Nielus, turns them white. If again a sheep should happen to drink their waters mixed, its fleece will be mottled. According to Theophrastus, the water of the Krathis, a river of Turigi, makes sheep and cattle white, while that of the river Sibaris turns them black. Chapter 10. Waters which color the human body. And not only this, but human beings even, Theophrastus tells us, are sensible of this difference. For persons who drink the water of the Sibaris, he says, become more swarthy and more hardy, the hair inclining to curl, while those again who drink of the krathis become fair and more soft skin, 
with the hair growing straight and long. So, too, in Macedonia, persons who wish the produce to be white drive their cattle to the river Aliakmon, while those who desire a black or tawny color take them to water at Axius. Upon the same authority, too, we learn that in certain localities, as in the country of the Mesapi, for instance, all the productions, the cereals even, grow of a tawny color, and that at Luzi in Arcaria, there is a certain fountain in which land mice live and dwell. The river Aleos, which passes through Erythrae, promotes the growth of hair upon the body. Chapter 11 Waters which aid the memory, or are productive of forgetfulness. At the temple of the god Trophonius, in Boeotia, near the river Hersinus, there are two fountains, one of which aids the memory, while the other is productive of forgetfulness, hence the names which they respectively bear. Chapter 12 Waters which sharpen or dull the senses, waters which improve the voice. Near the town of Cescum, in Cilicia, runs the river Nus, the waters of which, according to Varro, sharpen the intellect, while those of a certain spring in the island of Chea dull the senses. At Zama, in Africa, there is a spring, the waters of which render the voice more musical. Chapter 13 Waters which cause a distaste for wine, waters which produce inebriety. Iodoxus says that persons who drink the water of Lake Clitorius take a distaste for wine, and Theopompus asserts that the waters of the springs already named are productive of inebriety. According to Muchanus, there is a fountain at Andros consecrated to Father Liber, from which wine flows during the seven days appointed for the yearly festival of that god the taste of which becomes like that of water the moment it is taken out of sight of the temple. Chapter 14 Waters which serve as a substitute for oil Polyclitus says that the water of the river Liparis, near Soli, in Chilicha, is used as a substitute for oil, and Theophrastus mentions a spring of that name in Ethiopia, which is possessed of similar properties. Lycus says that at Tazitia, there's a fountain of it, the water of which emits light. The same is asserted, too, of a spring at Ekpatana. According to Theopompus, there is a lake at Skotusa, the waters of which heal wounds. Chapter 15 Salt and Bitter Waters Juba says that in the country of the Troglodytae, there is a lake called the Lake of Insanity from its highly noxious properties. Thrice a day it becomes salt and bitter, and then again fresh, the same taking place as many times during the night. It is full, he says, of white serpents, twenty cubits long. He mentions also a certain spring in Arabia, which rises from the ground with such remarkable force as to throw back any object pressed down upon it, however weighty. End of section 1 Recording by Melissa Kingsbury, melissakingsburyvo.com.